Assalamu alaikum. Ramadan Mubarak. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, I bear witness that there's no God but Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad is his messenger. I greet you all in the greeting words of peace, as we say it in our original language. Assalamu alaikum. On behalf of the Nation of Islam, on behalf of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, we thank and we welcome each and every one of you for being with us today as we offer the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad as taught by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. These divine teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad will bring life, light, and power into the listener's ear. These divine teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad as taught by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan will help the spiritually blind, the spiritually mentally dead to hear, to see, and to walk better. These divine teachings, as it says in the Quran or in the Bible, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Allah says in the Holy Quran, I, Allah, am the best knower, and Allah knows best where to place his message. We are grateful to Allah for his favor and his mercy in giving to us the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. For it says of them in Isaiah chapter 61, the Lord has filled them with his spirit. He has chosen them and sent them to bring good news to the poor to heal the brokenhearted, announce release to the captives, freedom to those in prison, comfort all who mourn, give joy and gladness instead of grief, and sing song of praise instead of sorrow. We are most certainly a blessed and highly favored people to receive Allah's favor in the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Brothers and sisters, please help me as I bring to the podium one of our students in the ministry class here at Mas Mariam, Brother Tariq Muhammad. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, I bear witness that there is no God but Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad is his messenger. I greet all of you with the greeting words of peace and paradise. We say them in the Arabic language of assalamu alaikum. First and foremost, I wanna take a moment to give thanks to the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and his National Assistant Student Minister Ishmael Muhammad for allowing the honor and privilege to be before you this morning to share words from the teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. And for those of you who are here at Mas Mariam and for those of you who are watching around our planet, we wanna give the greetings of Ramadan Mubarak. I am eternally grateful for the, for the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, for those men are really changing the way we think about ourselves and about one another. And they are teaching us the knowledge and the reality of God, his aim, his purpose, and his objective. God's objective is to make himself known to us into the world and he wants us, or he wants to do it by taking a people who were no people at all. And he wants to make those people the cornerstone 
of a brand new world. So the scripture says, behold, I make all things new. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said in that monumental book, Our Savior Has Arrived, he said to make all things new means to go to the very root of a thing. He said that we ourselves will become a new people. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us how God is going to do it. He said he goes after the root in making this new world of people. As he said, first he makes a new mind for us and a new way of thinking. He teaches us a different education, one that we have never had before. One of the things that he would change, now that was an end quote, he said, one of the things, this is what I'm saying, one of the things he would change in our thinking is in what our former slave masters and their children has taught us and deceived us in, which is the concept of heaven and hell. As places you go to when you are dead, some place in the sky or some place underground. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad disabused us of that kind of teaching. He disabused us over all of spookism. He teaches us that heaven and hell are conditions of life and not a special place. But this morning, we don't want to put too much emphasis on hell. We want to put more emphasis on heaven because most of us live in hell. Some of us live in a state of hopelessness, a state of anxiety and grief and laziness and depression. Our relationships with our family and uh, in general people, our friend groups can be filled with acrimonious bitterness. Some of us are filled with self-hatred for self. And we are afraid to go to certain areas in Chicago and throughout the world for fear of our own people's ignorance. And the list goes on and on. Well, where's the proof, Brother Tariq? There's an old saying that says that the proof is in the pudding. So look at our condition. Look at our communities. But let's go to heaven. We may refer to heaven as the kingdom of God or the afterlife if you're a Christian. And if you're a Muslim, you may refer to heaven as the hereafter. And as we prepare to hear from our keynote presenter, I wanted to lift words from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan that student minister Abel had mentioned to us last week about that word hereafter. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said the hereafter is on earth. No, he said hereafter is here on earth after the destruction of the power of the wicked to interfere with the establishment of the kingdom of Islam or the kingdom of heaven. Did you know, brothers and sisters, and those who are watching, did you know that the word hereafter is mentioned a hundred times in the Holy Quran? Now, I had to reflect on that because I remember hearing the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan say that the Quran is a book based on the highest principles of mathematics. He said that the language of the Quran is mathematical. And he said that if it came from God himself, Surely God knows himself better than we know him. So if God used that word hereafter a hundred times in the Quran, God had a purpose in what he wanted to tell the reader about that word hereafter. So the Holy Quran gives us a picture of what that hereafter will be like, saying it is a garden where it flow rivers. We're saying all of this to say that it doesn't give you a picture of something that you get after you die. It's giving you a picture of something that you get right here on earth. But let's take it a step further. It says that the picture of the hereafter is like, of what it'll be like on earth. 
You say it's the afterlife. Okay, but that's not necessarily something you get when you die. You can say that the afterlife means that it is life or it is after the life of this world. And the Quran will bear witness saying they know an outward aspect of the life of this world, but are heedless to the hereafter. Remember here on earth after the destruction of the power of the wicked. In closing, the Bible also bears that witness. It says, and we say it in the Lord's Prayer every time. We say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus just makes it a little bit more clearer to us. He says that the kingdom of heaven is within you. So the question that we have to ask is if it's sitting right up inside of us, what is God going to produce here after the destruction of the wicked? The Honorable Elijah Muhammad gives the most beautiful and most clearest picture of what the hereafter is going to be like or of what is living in heaven while you live is. He says, quote, the hereafter, the righteous will make unlimited progress, peace. Don't we all want peace? Joy, happiness will have no end. War will be forgotten. Disagreement will have no place in the hereafter. No sickness, no hospitals, no COVID, no insane asylums. He didn't say no COVID. <laughs> no gambling, no cursing or swearing will be seen or heard in that life. Fear, grief, and sorrow will stop on this side as proof. Well, you may ask, well, that sounds like something is going to happen in the years to come. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad makes it very clear. He says, every one of us who accepts the religion of Islam, which is obedience to God, and follows what God has revealed to me, will begin enjoying the life above. The clearest example of, the, of a man living in heaven while he lived that is among us is the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. All praises do, but I want to personally bear witness that when you begin to submit your will to do the will of God and follow what the Honorable, or what God has revealed to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, God will send you in heaven at once and you will be in heaven while you live. Thank you for allowing me these few words as I greet you in peace. Assalamu alaikum. Please help me welcome the student national imam of the Nation of Islam, Brother Imam Sultan Rahman Muhammad. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأشهد أن محمد رسول الله Dear brothers, dear sisters, these are our original words from our original language of Arabic. We greet you in those original words with the greeting words of peace and paradise. Assalamu alaikum. Praise be to Allah. A'udhu billah. We seek refuge with Allah from Satan the accursed. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. In the name of Allah the beneficent, the merciful. We bear witness that there is no God but Allah without partner. And we further bear witness that Muhammad is his messenger. Brothers and sisters, we wish you Ramadan Mubarak and we bring beautiful news as you are watching your calendar. We are now 
in the last 10 days of the holy month of Ramadan. Praise be to Allah. What this means, brothers and sisters, is that we have achieved part of our goal, part of our journey, our journey from mercy into forgiveness, and now, Allah willing, into freedom from the fire, freedom from the fire of old and bad habits. It is stated by science that it takes approximately 21 days to break a bad habit. So we should now be seeing the benefit of our striving, praise be to Allah. Yet in this month, why do we fast? We fast to not only change the habit of self, to clean the mind and heart of self, but we fast to honor, honor the revelation of the Holy Quran. This Holy Quran, which is a revelation revealed over 1400 years ago in the deserts of Arabia. What does that mean to you and I as the black man and woman here in the Western Hemisphere? There is a light, brothers and sisters, that emanates from that book, a light that was revealed not to the Arabs alone, but to humanity as a whole. So we see that the Quran was revealed during the holy month of Ramadan, and it was revealed in the last 10 days after the 21st day of, its, of the holy month of Ramadan. What does this mean? The revelation descended upon the heart of Muhammad, peace be upon him. So it is in his being, it was in his being, and under different perceptions, circumstances, and conditions, over a 23-year period, the revelation unfolded. We, brothers and sisters, in this last 10 days, will be celebrating Laylatul Qadr, Laylatul Qadr, meaning the night of power or the night of majesty. The night of majesty, brothers and sisters, is a night that Allah Most High has said is better than a thousand months. In chapter 97 of the Holy Quran, it reads, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Surely we revealed it, the Quran, on the night of majesty. And what will make you understand or comprehend what the night of majesty is? The night of majesty is better than a thousand months. The angels and the spirit descend in it by the permission of their Lord. For every affair, peace it is till the rising of the morning. This night, brothers and sisters, is known and observed around the world by the Muslim community. So it is a night that unites the Muslim Ummah globally. We, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, and writes in Message to the Black Man, we are not an organization. We are not an organization. We are a world. I use the same Holy Quran, writes the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, that all Muslims use. The book that is universally recognized as 100% true. Praise be to Allah. 
So let's keep it 100. Let's keep it 100 for self, as that book and this book is in itself, brothers and sisters, not a book. Yes, it has pages, it has a cover and a back, but this book is a man. It represents a man walking, as was narrated by the wife of Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. So in the night, brothers and sisters, we see that the Quran was revealed in a dark hour, a dark hour for humanity. Layla means night in the language of Arabic, our language. And it represents the hours of darkness, the hours of darkness in which, brothers and sisters, we now live. We live in a period in which humanity is steeped in a dark state of mind, influenced by Satan himself. So we, brothers and sisters, see in the signs of the alternation of the day and the night, as the Holy Quran states, a sign. So what is this sign? Qadr. This word Qadr, we see it translated as majesty. We see it translated as power. Yet it means ability. It means control. It means determination. It means showing forth what one has conceived. Praise be to Allah. This, brothers and sisters, is showing us also that it means to determine your own destiny. So we write history in advance. Brothers and sisters, on Saturday, praise be to Allah, praise be to Allah, this Saturday, we will observe the night of power, Laylatul Qadr. We will announce the times, and if we remember last year's night of power, it was a beautiful night where we entered a dark hour, a dark hour that we are still, still in the midst of coming out of. We are not quite there, but Allah is with us, and the sun is rising. Praise be to Allah. We close, brothers and sisters, on this point. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan has stated in The Time and What Must Be Done, Part 28, Prophet Muhammad and the great book, this great book, the Holy Quran, which brings clarity to the Torah and the Injil. It brings clarity to the Torah and, and Injil, and this Quran is a womb, a womb. So we, brothers and sisters, Pray Allah that we are born out of this womb that we are reading our sections throughout this holy month of Ramadan. A completely new being, completely able with Qadr, in control with Qadr, with determination with Qadr to recreate self, to be a new human being that we can face, brothers and sisters, the sicknesses that we see of the heart, mind and soul. And from the darkness of the womb of night emerges a man styled as a light-giving sun. A man that is this Quran walking.
meaning his character is that of this Qur'an. His mind is the character of the Qur'an. His thinking is lined up with the mind of God himself. I have seen such a man, praise be to Allah and the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan, for he is a light-giving son to we, the people who have been destined, destined to rise from the darkness. We close, brothers and sisters. Allah states in the Quran of this beautiful night of power in Surah 44, beneficent God, by the book that makes manifest, we revealed, we revealed it on a blessed night. Truly we are ever warning. Therein is made clear every affair full of wisdom, a command from us. Truly we are ever sending messengers. Praise be to Allah. With these words, I greet you as I came with the greeting words of peace. Assalamu alaikum. Let us please welcome our dear brother, student minister, Abel Muhammad, with a round of applause. Assalamu alaikum once again. Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim En el nombre de Allah, el benefico, el misericordioso. In the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful. I bear witness there is no God but Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad is his messenger. We greet you this morning, dear brothers and sisters, in the greeting words of peace, which we say in the language of Arabic. Assalamu alaikum. And we are joyous once again to extend to you the greetings this morning of Ramadan Mubarak. As we heard our national imam share those beautiful words this morning, as I was listening to him, I was reminded of words found in the Bible in the 60th chapter of Isaiah where it talks about a time of gross darkness and gross darkness covering the people. And it is in that time where the prophet Isaiah, speaking of such a time, says that at that time the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And it's interesting in this month of Ramadan that we're fasting during the hours of daylight. We're waiting for the end of a day which is to the signal of its end in a time of darkness and then we eat. Then we break our fast, not consuming the things of the light of that day, but we're waiting a new day to come. And it is in the darkness that signals the end of the day that we then begin to consume that which is required to bring us life. We are read in the Holy Quran, as we are reading this month, the entirety of that book. There's a verse in the second chapter, 257th verse of the Holy Quran that says, Allah is the friend of those who believe. He brings them out of darkness into light. What a friend we have in Allah. What a friend we have in the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan that in a world whose light is shutting down, in a world that has no more power over you and I, we need that which will give us new life, that which will inspire us, that which will enliven us, that which will purify us, that which will clean us up, that which will bring us into the light of a brand new day. 
The Honorable Elijah Muhammad writes in page 137 of Message to the Black Man in America that this alone is salvation, just to be brought out of the darkness of ignorance into the light of truth. Beloved brothers and sisters, human beings of all colors and ethnicities who may be watching, don't feel subdued and consumed by the darkness. This morning, we have good news for you and I. This morning, we're not here to just point and say, look at the gross darkness that exists. No, we have been given the light, the truth by Allah through the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and the honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. So if you're looking for hope, if you're looking for a way, if you're looking for answers, you and I are watching the right program this morning. So to take us this morning into the life-giving teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad as perfectly represented by the honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. It is a great honor and privilege that we welcome back to this rostrum our wonderful, wonderful student minister. Please welcome him back to Mas Marian and these microphones with a round of applause, student minister Abdul Muhammad. Please welcome him with a round of applause. Thank you, all praises due to Allah. In the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful, we give him praise and thanks for coming in the person of Master Fahd Muhammad, to whom praises are due forever, and raising up in our midst the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, the Messiah and the exalted Christ, and for giving to us an extension in the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan out of his grace, I would like to greet you all with the greeting words of peace. We say it in the Arabic language of assalamu alaikum. Ramadan Mubarak. I would like to begin by thanking the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan uh, for teaching me what I hope to teach you all this morning. Uh, I would like to also thank uh, Student Minister Ishmael Muhammad, who is the minister here at Mosque Mariam in Chicago, and also is the uh, student national minister of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. I would like to thank the brothers in the ministry, my brothers here in Chicago and all over the country and all of the believers in the nation of Islam. Brothers and sisters, I'm a student of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is that great teacher of freedom, justice and equality. Today our subject is the dead will rise. I'm gonna say it again. That's what it is. Our subject today is the dead will rise. I'm just gonna ask us a couple of questions just so we can start to think about this most important subject. The question, the question is, who are the dead that are gonna rise? How are these dead people, how are they going to be raised to life? What is the duty of the nation of Islam in the rise of our people? Why was our brother DMX, who just passed away recently, why was he so powerful and so influential? And are Jewish people's feelings more important than black people's lives? I just want you to think about it. 
what is brewing in the hearts of white people as black people rise all over the country and oppressed people rise all over the world. You have to ask the question, what is brewing in the hearts of white people? Since George Floyd was murdered, 181 black people have been shot by the police since he was murdered. So I'm gonna ask you again, what is brewing in the hearts of white people? What was January 6th, the Capitol riots, what was that a sign of? I'm just gonna answer that right now. That was a sign of the fall of America, just so you know. Why is the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan so controversial? Uh, what is the meaning of Ramadan? Why are Jewish people so angry with the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan? And do black people have the right to self-determination? How does Allah use pain to shape you into what he wants you to be? And how is Allah moving our people in our direction? When I say our direction, I'm talking about the nation of Islam. How is Allah moving the people in the direction of the nation of Islam? And my last question that I'm gonna, in this series of questions is, should we trust white people? Right, we already know the answer to that. When they came to West Africa to put us in chains, could we trust them then? When they gave us guns, when we were in Africa, they gave guns to the small tribes so that the small tribes that were at war with the larger tribes would have an advantage. And then when the small tribe with the use of guns that they got from the Europeans would conquer the larger tribe, the European would then take the larger tribe of black people into slavery. And you know the white man is never gonna sell you enough guns where you can beat him. So then he would take the small tribe in slavery as well. So can we trust white people? When we were on the slave ships and they raped the men, the women, the boys, and the girls, could we trust them then? Could we trust them when they gave the Native Americans blankets with smallpox in the blankets, could they be trusted then? Could they be trusted during the 310 years of chattel slavery? Any day of the week, any week of the month, any month of the year, could we trust them then? Could we trust them after slavery and we had entered into sharecropping and when we went to settle up with the landowner, right? Could we trust them then? Could we question them when they dealt with us unfairly when we were sharecroppers? What about during Jim Crow? I have a book here that is a, it's called Remembering Jim Crow. And in this book, they went around and interviewed black people that were still alive, that lived during the time of Jim Crow. My question to you is, could we trust them during Jim Crow? I have another book here called The New Jim Crow. We couldn't trust them during the old Jim Crow. And guess what? We can't trust them during the what? The new Jim Crow. Could we trust them to properly educate our children? Right here in Chicago, when they did not want black children going to school with white children, 
and the black schools were overcrowded, they, the, the, the head of the Department of Education, his last name was Willis, so they put Willis wagons all throughout the black community and stuffed the black people in these Willis wagons because they did not want black children in the school with white children. Can we trust them? You sent your children to college, right? You sent your children to school with Becky and, and, and Seth. And when they came back home, they came back home thinking and believing things that you never taught them. The school confused them, hoodwinked them, bamboozled them. Could we trust them with our children? When they built the projects all over the United States, because the white people did not want black people moving in their neighborhoods. So rather than allow the black people to spread out, they just stacked us on top of each other. In the projects right here in Chicago, the Robert Taylor Homes was the biggest housing project in the United States. 20 blocks from 35th to 55th. Could we trust them when they lured us in with a free refrigerator and a free stove and a free first month's rent? Then to come to find out they painted the projects with lead paint. Could we trust them then? Could we trust them when they put us in the projects and put the projects next to toxic waste sites. Could we trust them then? I know some of y'all getting mad because you want to trust them today. Could we trust them when they offered us welfare? But the condition for you to get help from the government was that there could be no man in the home. So in order to get the welfare, the black man had to leave the home. Right? Could we trust them then? We couldn't trust them then. Could we trust them when we went to jail on trumped up charges on unjust laws that they passed? And then when we went to prison, they did medical experiments on us in prison. Could we trust them then? Could we trust them when they sterilized black women all over America without their knowledge and against their will? You heard of Fannie Lou Hamer? the great civil rights leader, Fannie Lou Hamer was sterilized in what they call a Mississippi appendectomy. You go to the doctor for one thing, and while you're there, the white racist doctor cuts out your fallopian tubes without telling you. This happened to black women all over America. Could we trust them then? Could we trust them when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans? And black people were locked in the Superdome. And George Bush was in the White House twiddling his thumbs, doing nothing, and letting black people die and suffer. And the police in New Orleans murdered black people wholesale. Could we trust them then? Could we trust them to give us water in Flint, Michigan? Flint, Michigan still doesn't have clean water. Could we trust them in Flint? Could we trust them when black people started to rise during the civil rights movement and the Black Panthers right here in Chicago under Chairman Fred Hampton started the free breakfast program that was copied by the public food system? And when J. Edgar Hoover wanted to try to destroy the Black Panthers, one of his, and I have the book here, I had it, it's in the car. Nobody's perfect. Uh, it's the book on COINTELPRO, the COINTELPRO papers. But uh, uh, J. Edgar Hoover had a plan 
that since the Panthers were giving away free food to children, that what the FBI would do is poison the oranges because they found out that they purchased the oranges from a farm in Florida. So they were going to poison the oranges, send them to Chicago for black children to eat. Then when the black children got sick, they were going to use their friends in the media to discredit the Black Panthers. And when you read the FBI files, J. Edgar Hoover said the only reason, not that he cared about black children, he said the only reason that they couldn't do it is because there was no guarantee that the oranges that they poisoned would be the oranges shipped to the Black Panthers. Well, it's 2021 today. You can put a label on something and track it all over the world. So if we could never trust white people since we've been here, what makes you think you can trust them right now? What makes you think that you could go to the doctor and you could trust that doctor to give you a shot and you not have a second thought about what that doctor is doing to you? And this is, you know, I'm, I'm saying this, but the regular black folks, the regular black folks don't trust white people. When we go in the street here in Chicago and we go out with the flyer about the vaccine, the black people that we talk to in the street, they're not taking the vaccine. They say, and I can't say the word in Mas Mariam because y'all will get mad. The constant refrain in the street when you talk to regular black people is, I ain't taking that. That's all they say. We're trying to give them, they don't even need the information. We're trying to, I don't need that. I ain't taking that ish. That's what they tell you. So the proof that we're providing, it just coincides what they already believe. So I'm going to say this, and this is not my topic. When the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan spoke on July 4th, the criterion, his words were already in harmony with what black people felt anyway. So when he spoke those words that came from God, it was already in the hearts and minds. I'm not talking about the middle class black people who want to show white people that they love them. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the regular, everyday black people. They already were not taking the vaccine. But when the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan spoke those words, our Jewish friends, what did they do? They went and tried to get him canceled, if you remember, from Fox Soul, right? And then when Fox Soul canceled the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, they were celebrating because they thought they had a victory. But the Holy Quran says that the Jews plan and Allah plans, and Allah is the best of planners. So they built up all of this controversy and thought they had a victory. And then Diddy came through and put it on Revolt TV. And even though millions were going to watch it, because they opposed it, and created all this controversy around it, millions more watched the Honorable Louis Farrakhan. Are y'all with me? All praise is due to Allah. So brothers and sisters, I'm gonna say some things real quick that I'm not really gonna explain, I just think they need to be said, okay? It's not the lecture, it just needs to be said. The fall of America is in our face right now. When we watched January 6th, that was a sign, a big sign, that is done for the United States of America. When their own people rise up against the government, it's a wrap. What did the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan say when Donald Trump was running for president? 
He said that if Satan cast out Satan, how can his house then stand? He did that lecture right here. And Donald Trump is the Satan cast out Satan president. Every Satan that came to work for him, what did he do? He cast him out. He ran against 17 Satans and beat the brakes off every last one, right? Then he ran against Hillary Clinton, another Satan, and beat her, right? Then as the other people opposed him, he beat them all. He's a Satan cast out Satan president. And then on January 6th, he spoke to his people and they rose up and attacked the government. America is going to fall, not from any foreign power, but under the weight of her own corruption and evil, and this country will degenerate into civil war. I'm just telling you, this is not today's lecture. The most honorable Elijah Muhammad said it'll be black against white, white against black, black against black, and white against white, and that the blood would be up to the horse's brow. That is what's coming to the United States of America. So now, if we know this in the nation of Islam, it's our duty to warn our people. The only reason Allah called us to Islam is so that we could change our lives so that we could become the opposite of what the world made us. And in us becoming the opposite of what the world made us, then we become attractive to our people so that our people come and change their lives and become the opposite of the, what the world made them. If you think that you're here just to pray and fast and you have to do those things, but you don't have a duty to go after our people, then you're in the wrong place. The whole mission of the nation of Islam is the salvation of our people. I know what you're saying, but he got tattoos on his face. His pants is sagging down by his knees. He has a blunt in his mouth. But deeper than the tattoo, deeper than the sagging pants, and deeper than the blunt inside of that black man is God himself. Inside, I don't care if she got 10 babies by 10 baby daddies and didn't know if this one was the daddy or that one. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It might matter to you because you may, be, you may think that you're holier than thou, but it doesn't matter to God because in her is God himself. And our work is to bring out what God put in each and every one of us. So now, when I was on, now I'm gonna say this, if you've ever lost, and all of you have, you lost the remote control in your house. The remote was lost. The TV is three feet away from you. And when something is lost, it creates a certain level of anxiety. Now you're in the house with a TV that's three feet away and you're looking for the remote and the more you look and can't find it, the more you get agitated, right? I tell, I'm talking to black people, I'm telling the truth. So then you solicit your family members, your children, your wife, your husband, the dog, the cat. You want everybody to stop everything and do what? Find the remote and the TV is three feet away. So now if you want to get everybody involved for a remote control with a TV that's three feet in front of you, 
then how is God looking at you when our people are lost and you won't go after the people who are lost that God came to save? You understand? The same anger that you feel towards your family that you've been living with your whole life when your daughter is in her room on a computer but ain't helping you find the remote. And you bust, what the hell are you doing? I need that remote. Damn, my mom, your daughter, you, you talk to me like that for a remote. How is God looking at us when we won't go after a people that's lost that he came to save? I just want you to think about it. Don't let it be your keys. And you got to go to work and you late. And ain't nobody helping you look. Somebody's getting beat before you go to work. Just to, just to get off the extra sting, right? You might have to get an Uber, but everybody who's not looking for the keys is catching a beat down. Now that's you, and you not God. I just want you to think about it. So brothers and sisters, I was with the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan one day, and I shared with him, by the grace of Allah, I was with him, and I shared with him when I had gone on the Stop the Killing tour, every city that we went into, every city. So when the brothers would call me to set up the tour, I would tell them, I said, brother, if you only gonna call me to invite me to speak at the mosque, I don't even want to come because y'all can just get a DVD and play the DVD. I said that from the time I come until the time I leave, I want to be engaged in some type of activity going after our people, right? Uh, and I said that we have to go out in the streets when we go, uh, when I come to your city, we got to go out in the streets, right? So these were my demands, right? So now, we went, I went to Raleigh, North Carolina with student minister Allen and the believers. And when I, it was a Friday and it was during Ramadan. I got off the plane in Raleigh. We went in the streets and a brother had just been killed by the police and the brothers were wearing purple bandanas because the brother that was murdered was trying to bring the Crips and the Bloods together in Raleigh. So the Crips and the Bloods were all wearing purple bandanas in honor of this brother. I got off the plane, we went straight to the hood and talked to the brothers and soldiers all through the community. When I spoke at the mosque that night, we had 80 first timers, it was standing room only. When I left Raleigh, that was a Friday. We left Raleigh and went to Greensboro on Saturday and soldiered all day during Ramadan in Greensboro came to the mosque, and it was two rows of people when I came to the rostrum. By the time I left the rostrum, it was standing room only. From Raleigh, we went to St. Louis, we went to Ferguson where Mike Brown was murdered, right? We spoke in St. Louis, and it was packed. I went out with, uh, with Brother Minister, Student Minister Donald. In Greensboro, it was Student Minister Willie, Brother Terrence, and Sister Hakima. And in Greensboro, I spoke everywhere. In, when I went to Rialto with student minister Kareem and all of these brothers and sisters can bear me witness. And soon as I got off the plane, unfortunately they put me on spirit. Yes, unfortunately. Soon as I got off the plane, we went into the streets and we soldiered all day Saturday. When we got to the mosque on Sunday, it was standing room only. We went to Cleveland with student minister Michael, and this was the weekend 
where the Brillo verdict, y'all know who Officer Brillo was, right? Officer Brillo was the police officer that stood on top of the car and fired like 36 or 42 shots through the windshield and killed our brother and sister in Cleveland. The verdict was coming out the weekend that I was in Cleveland. I spoke at the mosque in Cleveland. Tamir Rice's grandfather was at the mosque. I went so hard, it was standing room only, I went so hard in Cleveland that when I got to the airport, they wouldn't let me on the plane. They did not, the verdict was supposed to come out, I spoke on Sunday, the verdict was supposed to come out on Saturday, but they held it till Monday. Now I'm not saying they held it because I was there. They held it because they knew that black people were gonna rise up and they wanted to wait till they were at work before they rose up. And when I'm trying to get on the plane, the lady's like, yeah, I'll get this. First, the black sister's trying to get me on the plane and she can't do anything. Then the white woman says, well, let me, I'll do it, I'll do it. And she get, grabs the phone. I don't know what they said to her. I just know how she looked at me after they said what they said. So I eventually did get on the plane. Uh, we went to Cleveland. It wasn't Cincinnati, it was Columbus with student minister Donnell Muhammad and brother Dennis. And we went out in the street with the peacekeepers. I spoke. Now, student minister Darnell, they worked me to death. They, I said, brother, you know, I want to do everything. I want to. And they were at the hotel at 5 o'clock in the morning. Brother, we got a radio show for you. And I'm trying to get ready, but I, this is what I asked for, right? So we spoke on Saturday and Sunday, but on Saturday, we went out into the streets with brother Dennis and the peacekeepers. And when we got to the mosque on Sunday, it was standing room only. We went to New York with brother student minister Hafiz, may Allah be pleased with him. And we went to New York and in New York, we spoke at mosque number seven, right? Brother Hafiz took me off throughout the entire city. And as I was talking to the, now I was talking to the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan and I wasn't thinking that he's from New York. And I'm saying brother minister, there's so many people in New York that we could have a thousand mosques. Brother Hafiz took me by the projects and he said it's 10,000 people in this one project. And as we're driving through New York, it's so many people. Like if you can't make it in New York, you can't make it anywhere. You can stand on the corner and sell spoons. I got them spoons. And you will make a living because it's just so many people in New York. And I'm telling this to the minister not thinking that he's from New York. Now, then we went to Richmond, Virginia with student minister Tracy. And in Richmond, Virginia, they had a banquet on that Saturday. We sold it all day Saturday. They had a banquet that night. I spoke 15 minutes at the banquet. Went to the mosque on Sunday, and it was 147 first-time guests standing room only. I forgot how many accepted. I, it was just the line was out the door with the acceptances. Why am I telling you this? Because the, let me tell you, let me, can you put the words? When I told this to the minister, this is what the Honorable Louis Farrakhan said. Can you all put that on the screen for me, please? No, that, not that one. We're going to get to that one. I should have said that one first. The next one. This is what he said at the end of our conversation. He said, life is in the streets with the lost found. Death is in the mosque. The moment we lose the desire to go out in the street, death sets in at that moment. That's straight from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. So our mission as the nation of Islam is to go after our people. Can we go back to that previous slide, please? 
Listen to what the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said, brothers and sisters, at the funeral of DMX. He said that your father spoke so beautifully about the low life. Our people are locked in that, in that duality with, every, with very little uprightness, but we're living our life on a horizontal level. And that's why Jesus told us that the dead will rise. This is where I got my topic today. The dead will rise from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. So brothers and sisters, everything that's going on in the world today, Allah is forcing our people to the point where our people are gonna say that they wanna be separate from white people. Allah is forcing it, he's forcing the separation. Are y'all with me? You read in the book of Matthew, right? About the 10 virgins, five were wise and five were foolish. Five had oil in their lamp, five didn't have oil in their lamp. And when the master came, they were all together. But when the master came, his presence produced a what? A separation. So the five that had no oil couldn't go with the master, right? Okay. If you read the Holy Quran, chapter 30, verse 43, if you all could put that on the screen for me, please. I believe I have that in the slides. I might not. I'll read it. Listen to what the Holy Quran says. He says, oh, there it is. Then set, thy, then set thyself being upright to the right religion before there come from Allah the day which cannot be averted. On that day, they will be separated. I'm telling you that that day is today. We're living in a day of separation. And everything that's happening is bringing our people to the point where they will say, that separation is the best and only solution, as the most honorable Elijah Muhammad said. Now let's keep it moving. I asked the question, what's brewing in the hearts of white people? Because if you think that white people are gonna sit back and allow their police to go to jail for murder and for them to lose their job because they've been calling you out your name since you've been here. So now I'm supposed to lose my job for doing the same thing y'all do? This is what they tell you, right? If you think that white people are gonna sit back and lay down and just give you power, then we're very foolish. Listen to what the Holy Quran says in chapter three, verse 118. Can we put that on the screen, please? It says, oh, you who believe, take not for intimate friends other than your own people. They spare no pain to cause you loss. Is that true? Okay. They love that which distresses you. Is that true? Okay. Vehement hatred has already appeared from out of their mouths. Everything imaginable that they could say bad about us, they're saying bad about us. Vehement hatred has already appeared from out of their mouths. And the Holy Quran says, and that which their hearts conceal is greater still. You mean there's something greater? They're killing us all over the country. They're murdering us in cold blood. They're passing laws to disenfranchise us, to lock us in prison, to make sure that we can't vote, to make sure that we can't work, to make sure we can't eat. And this is what we know. 
But you mean to tell me that that which their hearts can seal is greater than what we're already witnessing? Absolutely. So, brothers and sisters, we have to be wise. And we have to stand with a man that is unafraid to stand with us in the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. So, brothers and sisters, I know you already know that the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan spoke at DMX's funeral. And when he spoke at DMX's funeral, white people went crazy. Jewish people lost their minds. But black people, right, not the black people that scared of white people, not the black people that's looking for favors from white people, the regular black people love the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. All praise is due to Allah. Now, let's just prove this real quick. So I'm gonna share with you some of the uh, feedback from Twitter for the Honorable Minister Louis Farr. Can we go to that first slide? I'm not gonna read them all. Listen to this, Autumn Tautum. The Honorable, Lewis, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan speaks directly and plainly and beautifully to DMX's children about Jesus teaching us to talk with him after earthly death. He reminds that they're in holy communion with their father this is how we care for our future. Let's go to the next slide. Louis Farrakhan speaking so eloquently in honoring DMX. Thank you, Mr. Farrakhan, for blessing us with your grace and kind words. God used his life to educate and teach. Amen. All praise is due to Allah. Can we go to the next one? I can't read them all, brothers and sisters. Farrakhan delivered that speech with such divinity, dignity, and grace. Don't get those type of gems these days that often. All facts about life. We are all some type of DMX, but don't be crazy. There will only be one X. All praise is due to Allah. Then uh, another person said, Minister, and on the next, oh, it's up. Minister Farrakhan spoke from the Bible and his heart delivering an unforgettable memorial for rap icon DMX, thanking God that both honorable men highlighted the world with pure glory. They are black history makers. Can we go to the next one? Uh, black Twitter side note, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan preaching DMX's transitional services. It is everything. Y'all better go catch that recording. Can we go to the next one? Just listen to Farrakhan preach Jesus at DMX's funeral. Eyes to see and ears to hear. Can we go to the next one? I love hearing Farrakhan speak at funerals. He gave such a dope speech for Tukey, Nipsey, and DMX. I'm sure there are so many others I missed in this tweet, but man, Farrakhan's words hit different. Now this is the regular black people. What the enemy never wanted was for our people to get an unfiltered view of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. They never wanted our people to be able to see the beauty of the man that God raised up in our midst. But social media allows us to present him to the world unfiltered. And this is the reaction from our people. So now, why was this brother DMX such a powerful human being? It is because 
He was one of the realest. You just gotta be, if you listen to rap music, you know he was like the realest, right? But brothers and sisters, the thing that we have to realize is that God uses pain to shape us in a certain type of way. Pain is absolutely necessary in your life. It's necessary. When God wants to use you, he marries you to pain and suffering. Are y'all listening? Because most of us run from pain. Most of us, we ask God, why would you allow this to come in my life when the pain comes? But what we don't see is what God is doing with the pain to shape us to be greater servants in the future. You get caught up because DMX used cuss words, because he had a lot of children. You get caught up on the trivial things. But what you don't see is the spirit of God that was in our brother and that spirit that was shaped through his youth and life of pain and suffering. So that when he spoke, he spoke from his pain and his pain connected with a people that we're in pain, you understand. This is why the white man feeds drugs in the black community. This is why our young people smoke weed back to back, blunts and kush and everything else. You look at them like it's something wrong with them. It's nothing wrong with them. They're trying to escape the pain of their existence. When you smoke marijuana, it, it, it interferes with the connections in the brain. And when it interferes with the connections in the brain, it eases the pain of the smoker. You understand? So you wonder why your children smoke weed. You wonder why they sit up and, or, or play video games all day or sleep. The reason is because as soon as they wake up, the pain of their life bears down on their shoulders and the only way that they could escape that pain it's either by going to sleep, getting drunk, or getting so high that they forget the pain that they're in, right? So now, our brother was shaped by this pain. That's why he was able to connect with people all over the world. Now imagine if you couldn't feel no pain, because that's what some of you want. There's a book, I couldn't find it, I got it in the house somewhere, I couldn't find it. It's called Pain, the gift that nobody wants. You should go get it. If you don't have message to the black man, don't get it. Because it don't mean nothing if you ain't got message to the black man. So now, but now imagine you couldn't feel pain and you got something in your eye. You wouldn't even know that it was there. Then your eye would be infected and you would go blind. Because you could feel what? No pain. Imagine you couldn't feel no pain and you stepped on a rusty nail. Right, you wouldn't feel no pain, so your foot would get infected and you wouldn't even know it was infected until it turned blue, right? Till you could see the discoloration, and by the time it turned blue, it would have to be amputated because you couldn't feel no pain. Imagine you grabbed the pot that was hot on the stove and couldn't feel no pain, right? There are people born in the world that can't feel pain, and they end up abusing themselves and being abused because they can feel no pain. You understand? Pain 
allows us to know the limits, you understand. If you didn't have pain, then you would exceed the limits. The Holy Quran says that the ones who led easy lives, right? The ones who led the lives that did not have pain, those were the ones that rejected Muhammad. You understand. So you shouldn't go to the ones that lead easy lives. Jesus didn't go to them. Jesus went to the publicans and the sinners. If you with Jesus, then you need to be looking for some publicans, not Republicans. Don't look for no damn Republicans. Publicans were the tax collectors. The tax collectors were hated by the common people because they enforced the laws of the Roman Empire who were the oppressors of the Jewish people. So the tax collectors worked for the oppressor. You understand. Jesus ate with the publicans and sinners, not with the people that led easy lives. You understand. The poor, how does the scripture say it? The poor, the ones that were married to pain, the ones that from the time they were born to the time they died, lived their life in pain and suffering, the poor heard him gladly. You understand. So why would you, if you with the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, why would you try to focus on those that got money? Those that don't need nothing you saying. When it's a world full of poor and suffering people that need a word from God, that that word will bring out the God that's within them. Those are the people that we need to be going to. That is how you earn God's favor. I'm talking about Master Fahd Muhammad. You earn his favor by going after his people. Let's keep it moving. So now you know once the Honorable Louis Farrakhan spoke and he connected with our people. Did y'all hear what the brother said? And I, I'm not quoting him perfectly. But right after the minister spoke, the pastor said something like this. He said, now that's a man who knows pain. Something like that. Right? See, you have to understand that Jesus in the Bible is called the suffering servant. Why? Because his whole life is a life of pain and suffering. And he's suffering to redeem his people. The Jesus that the Bible is talking about is the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, two men from God that suffered their entire life to deliver a people. So when you live in pain your life, then it's easy for you to connect with people who are also in pain so you can lift them. Some of y'all want to be rich so you can escape pain. But if Allah wants to use you, guess what? He's going to allow pain to be a part of your life. Are y'all with me? Okay, let's keep it moving. So now, what was the Jewish reaction? Can we go to that next slide? As beautiful as the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan spoke, what was the Jewish reaction to what he said? Let's go. Is that up? Listen to what Damon John said. What a powerful speech from Minister Louis Farrakhan for the DMX funeral. His deep understanding of the Bible 
and respect for other people's religions was truly inspiring. Then a Jewish woman commented, I have no words, LOL. Are celebs, being paid, are celebs paid by Farrakhan? Why do they love him? I don't get it. If we went to a Jewish person and said, I have no words, are Jews being paid by Moses? Why do they love him? I don't get it. We wouldn't even say anything like that. But if we did, would the Jewish people take that as a serious question? Like, is that really sincere? Like, of course they love Moses. They have a right to love Moses. But if we looked at Moses from the uh, perspective of Pharaoh, then we would look at Moses as a murderer because he killed an Egyptian, right? It's in the Bible, it's in the Holy Quran, right? So Pharaoh could say, man, this man is a murderer. Pharaoh would call Moses an anti-Semite because the Egyptians were Semitic people. Now you come in here talking about this new God is gonna kill us and to free people, what are you talking about? You came in my house? disrespecting me in my house, throwing your staff down in, you at, wait, hold up, hold up, you in my house. You better go take that across the street somewhere. You understand. The, the, the opponents of Moses could easily characterize Moses in a negative way and ask the Hebrews, why, the Jews, why do y'all love him so much? That would be a foolish question because we know that Moses was a freedom fighter, is that right? And Moses was a liberator and Moses was a lawgiver, right? And Moses raised them up from nothing and made them into who the, pe the people they are today. So just like Moses raised them up and they love Moses, not for what he did for the Egyptians. They don't love Moses. See, the problem is everybody loves their leaders for what they do for them. The Chinese people love Mao Zedong for what he did for them. The Cubans love Castro for what he did for them. Everybody loves their leaders for what the leaders did for them. We're the only ones asked to love our leaders for what they do for white folks. That don't make no damn sense. I don't care about his relationship with you. I care about his relationship with us. Because you didn't care about Moses' relationship with Pharaoh. You didn't say, hold up, Moses, you're going too far. You're an anti-Semite because you're talking about bringing plagues. You're deluded. You're deluded into thinking you're going to bring plagues against these Semitic people and that your God is going to judge them and you're going to steal their property. You're deluded, Moses. They wouldn't co-sign that. You understand. So now, Shark Tank, now this man is sitting on $300 million. Man, if I was sitting on $300 million, there's no way you could ask me to condemn my brother. It ain't even possible. But this goes to show you that our people are not free. Shark Tank star Damon Green catches backlash for praising Louis Farrakhan at DMX's funeral. Mm. I want to share something with you from the Bible. Now, the reason that the, and the Holy Quran, the reason that our brother had to take his tweet back is because when you have wealth, the white man threatens your wealth, right? 
when you stand strong for your people. Can we go to that verse from the Holy Quran? Listen to what the Holy Quran says. The Holy Quran says that the devil threatens you with poverty and enjoins you to be niggardly. So this should let you know who we're dealing with. Because if anybody says anything good about the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, then the devil comes and threatens them with poverty. I mean, am I right or wrong? All praises due to a lot. Can we go to that next slide straight from the seventh chapter of John? Listen to what they said in, the, in John chapter seven. And there was much talking about Jesus and there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said he is good. Others said, no, on the contrary, he deceives the people. Is this what they say about the Honorable Louis Farrakhan? However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. Is it like that today with the Honorable Louis Farrakhan? When Barack Obama took a picture with the man, they lost their mind. Now, if I took a picture with, what's the brother's name, the pimp? Not a pimp named Slickback, even though he, he's a fictional character. Don Juan, the bishop. Man, if I took a picture with him, ain't nobody, nobody cares. If you take a picture with anybody, nobody cares. But if you take a picture with the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, there's something wrong. That is because if you speak openly uh, in favor of him, the Jews will attack you just like Jesus. But now what I want to prove to you this morning is that every leader that was truly for black people was vilified by white people. They opposed all of our leaders. Harriet Tubman was opposed, Nat Turner, Frederick Douglass, Marcus Garvey, Muhammad Ali, when he said that he wasn't going to war. They, they talked so bad about Muhammad Ali, said he was a draft dodger. Uh, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, Malcolm X, when Barbara Sizemore, right here in Chicago, tried to improve the education of black children, she was vilified. Rosa Parks was vilified. Martin Luther King Jr. When Harold Washington became the mayor of Chicago, how did they treat Harold Washington? Did they vilify Harold Washington? They absolutely did. When Maynard Jackson became the mayor of Atlanta and fought for black people to have access, how did they treat Maynard Jackson? How did they treat Andrew Young? How did they treat Marion Barry in Washington, D.C.? Every leader that was truly for us was vilified by white people. Let me prove it. Tell me when y'all ready. Can we? Okay, he says now, let's go. Can we go to that slide? With Ida B. Wells, I believe it is. No, it's Nat Turner. Go back. That's the right one, Nat Turner. So now, the, this is a newspaper from November 7th. Can I get that cordless mic? November 7th. 1831. Thank you. November. Thank you. November 7th, 1831. Regarding Nat Turner. You, you all know Nat Turner, right? Quick black history lesson. Nat Turner led a slave revolt. He was him and his six companions, right? They ended up in the slave revolt killing 55 to 65 white people. They were going from plantation to plantation, freeing black people. But the black people who Nat Turner freed because of self-hatred, they didn't want to listen to what Nat Turner wanted to do. They wanted to go way off and kill some other slave master. And when they went, they ended up getting caught 
And when Nat, as Nat Turner was waiting for them, the militia was coming after those that wouldn't listen to Nat Turner. Nat Turner escaped and was, I think he was, he escaped for maybe a month or more, but then they eventually caught Nat Turner. And this is the newspaper article from when they caught Nat Turner. It appears that on Sunday morning last, Mr. Phipps, having his gun and going over the lands of Mr. Francis, came to a place where a number of pines had been cut down and perceiving a slight motion among them, cautiously approached within a few yards and discovered the villain. I just want to show you how white people talk about us from since we've been here. And discovered the villain who had so long eluded pursuit. My question to you is, was Nat Turner a villain? Nat Turner was a freedom fighter, but in the minds of white people, he's portrayed as a what? He's portrayed as a villain. Every leader that was for us has been vilified by white people. Now listen to this, lower in this article, so I put it all up here because you know black folks think you just be making stuff up. That's the whole newspaper. Listen to this. He just, wait, he seems even now to labor under as perfect a state of fanatical delusion. So I'm in slavery being killed and maimed and raped and beat. I rise up for freedom, but in the minds of white people, that's fanatical delusion. Let's go to the next slide. Now, when black people associated with Nat Turner, those black people were punished. If you said something about Nat Turner, guess what? I know you think I'm making this up. Look at this article. The bandit Nat Turner. Was Nat Turner a bandit? No, but every black person that rose up for us was vilified by white people. This is October 18, 1831. Listen to this. The bandit Nat Turner. We understand by a letter from Mr. Fincastle of the 12th, I, don't, I guess that's institution, that a Negro man named Billy, this ain't even Nat, this Billy, belonging to Mr. Kennelly, was arrested on the 10th on a charge of being concerned with Nat Turner. I mean, I'm just walking down the street like, what happened with Nat? And I go to jail. So this is not new what's happening. This is how white people have been operating for all of our leaders. Let's go to the next slide. Now, when Nat Turner was executed, November 17, 1831, I'm trying to find the exact quote. Oh, here it is. The Petersburg Intelligencer learns by a gentleman from Southampton that the fanatical murderer, Nat Turner, fanatical murderer? Was George Washington referred to as a fanatical murderer? He did kill people. Y'all do know that, right? Okay. But this is how they portrayed Nat Turner in his day. Every black person that rose up for us was vilified by white people. Let's go to the next slide. Ida B. Wells, listen to this. The great Ida B. Wells. Like they name a street after her. But they're never going to acquaint you with the real freedom fighter. Who was Ida B. Wells? Ida B. Wells was threatened. Listen, and this was in the Commercial Appeal, which was the newspaper in Memphis, where she was at the time, May 25th, 1892. The fact that a black scoundrel, wait a minute, Ida B. Wells was a black scoundrel. This is what's in the newspaper because she's standing up 
against the lynching of black people. The fact that a black scoundrel is allowed to live and utter such loathsome, loathsome and repulsive calumnies. Is that what they say about the minister? When he wrote that book, The Secret Relationship, it's a calumny against the Jewish people. Same thing they said about Ida B. Wells. I wish somebody was listening. Repulsive colonies is a volume of evidence as to the wonderful patience of Southern whites, but we've had enough. I think it was three days later, they went to uh, Ida B. Wells' newspaper and burnt it to the ground. Three days after this was published, they burned her newspaper to the ground. Let's go to the next slide. She barely escaped with her life. This is September 3rd, 1894, an article on Ida B. Wells in the Daily Herald. Listen to what the author says. When a Negro is lynched, it is in most cases for crimes of the most heinous kind imaginable. So the white people were justifying the murder of black people for petty crimes they committed. Has that changed? Every time they kill a black person, what do they do? They get a picture of him on Facebook, putting the middle finger up. They pull his records. They say it was a warrant. It's the same thing. As I really like the Negro, in parentheses, in his place, I assure Ida B. Wells that I thank a merciful God who does not permit every Negro guilty of theft to suffer the lynch law for the offense. Now, they talking about lynching black people for stealing when they stole us. Are y'all listening? I'm showing you that everybody that stood for us, white people vilified them. Next slide. Now, you know that white people love their property, right? They love to get Negroes to go along with whatever they want, right? And they love to say that if you associate with this Negro, then I'm not going to associate with you. So the governor of Virginia wrote a long article. This is the article here. And the name of it in the paper was called A Fitting Rebuke. And the governor, Ida B. Wells, had been invited to the Black Newspaper Association's convention. And the governor wrote this long article saying that because you allowed Ida B. Wells to speak, I'm not coming. Is that how they treat the Honorable Louis Farrakhan? I believe that your convention would condemn the crime. I believe that if your convention, wait, hold on. I want to make sure. No, let me go here. In response to your invitation to your, wait, in response to your invitation to address or attend the convention of Afro-American Press Association, now in session in this city, I beg to say that I would not think of accepting an invitation to address any convention or assembly that endorses as your convention did last evening, the course of Ida B. Wells in her slanders of the people and civil authorities of the South. So this white man saying, look, I'm not coming because you invited somebody black who I don't like. Then he brings the same thing that if black people would just follow the law, if you would just comply. This is in 1894. If y'all would just comply, you wouldn't be lynched. Nothing has changed. Next slide. Ida B. Wells, okay, wait, hold on. Ida, work with me, not against me, okay. Uh, okay, Ida B. Wells, I think she was in California. I believe this was California. This is May 5th, 1895. 
and they invited her to this. She was at this Methodist meeting. And when they when she asked to speak, Miss Ida B. Wells, colored lady advocate, the Negro race was not endorsed by the Methodist ministers at their meeting yesterday. In fact, she was politely but firmly requested to leave the room in the middle of the session. What are we talking about? Nothing has changed. Let's go to the next slide. That's in 1895. Ida B. Wells was driven out. This is, I guess that's the Pascagola, Ganola, Democrat star, but they got the article from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The success of Ida B. Wells, the young colored woman who was driven out of Memphis. They drove Ida B. Wells out because she stood for black people. Let's go to the next slide. Now, what about Marcus Garvey? Every leader that was for us was vilified by white people. Look at this article, Marcus Garvey found guilty on fraud charge. Marcus Garvey, advocate of Back to Africa movement, defender of the Ku Klux Klan. Is that what they say about the Honorable Louis Farrakhan? He's the black KKK. Defender of the Ku Klux Klan and lynching and the white man's fiat of Negro inferiority. That was June 23rd, 1923. Let's go to the next slide. Paul Robeson. This is July 28th, 1949. Declare Paul Robeson red. In 1949, if somebody said that you were red, meaning you were a communist, that is like the greatest thing of evil at that time that could be said about you. Paul Robeson was a freedom fighter for black people. Paul Robeson was a celebrity. Paul Robeson loved his people. And the enemy wanted to destroy his reputation, so they called him a red, right? But now look at what it says in the article. After having played the role of Emperor Jones, he stated, Robeson developed an idea of achieving grandeur, grandeur and power. He hoped to be a black Stalin. What? You mean they call the Honorable Louis Farrakhan black Hitler, right? Is that what they say? But they call Paul Robeson in 1949 the black Stalin. What are we talking about? Every leader that's for us has been vilified by white folks. Next slide. Now, the, uh, I'm going to say white people. It was the government, but that's white folks. They went to the NAACP because the NAACP was started by white people to manage the affairs of black people, started by Jewish people. And they used the NAACP, his own black brothers, to attack him. Let's go to the next slide. November 21st, 1951. This comes from an article on the Smithsonian website. Unbeknownst, go back, go back. Unbeknownst to Paul, to Robeson, Roy Wilkins and Walter White of the, of the NAACP were pressured by the U.S. State Department. I put in brackets white people because y'all need to know that's white folks. To issue a formal response to the singer's purported comments, the NAACP, always wary of being linked to any way to communists, disassociated themselves from Robeson. So now, this has been happening to all of our leaders. Next slide. Three months later, on July 18, 1949, Jackie Robinson was brought to Washington, D.C. to testify before HUAC for the purpose of obliterating uh, Robeson, Robeson's leadership role in the American black community. The Brooklyn Dodger 
second baseman assured Americans that Robeson did not speak for all blacks with his silly personal views. Is that what they say about the Honorable Louis Farrakhan? You get on television, you're being interviewed, you're black, and they ask you, what, what do you think about Farrakhan? And the first thing you say, because you think it's slick, man, you know, I don't agree with everything he say. What? If somebody asked me, brother, what do you think about your mama? Do you think the first thing I'm going to say, man, I don't agree with everything she say. I don't agree with everything she says. But do you think that that's the first thing that's going to come out of my mouth? But when you're afraid of white people, you want them to feel comfortable. So the first thing you're going to say is not that this man is a freedom fighter for his people. The first thing that come out your mouth is, I don't agree with everything he say. My mother smokes cigarettes and eats pork. And if you ask me about my mama, guess what? That's not going to be the first thing. That, I don't agree with everything she say. My mother's a Christian. You think I'm a, I don't agree with everything she say? No, I'm going to tell you about all the great virtues of mama and how much I love my mother and everything that my mother has done for me throughout my whole life. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. So I would be a fool to say, I don't agree with everything she say. That's how crazy we look when people ask us about the minister. And the first thing we say, I don't agree with everything she say. Ask them about Ariel, ask them about uh, Netanyahu. Oh, what you think about Netanyahu? You think the first thing they're going to say, I don't agree with everything he say. Ask them about Trump. You think the first thing they're going to say is, I don't agree with everything? No. Let's keep it moving. Are we get, can we go to the next one? I'm trying to get through this kind of quick. Paul Robeson was banned. They banned the Honorable Louis Farrakhan. I know you thought this was the first black person that got banned. Paul Robeson's book, the West Virginia Library Commission has removed a biography of, of Paul Robeson from the list of recommended books for children. Then, on October 11, 1950, the banning of a portrait of Paul Robeson from an exhibit of famous Negroes was described today by the chairman of the local display committee as, as a regrettable, pardon me, regrettable political action. What am I showing you? Every leader that was for us was vilified by white people. Let's keep it moving. Now listen, back on the Smithsonian article, Robeson's name was stricken from the college All-American football teams. What? News real footage of him was destroyed. When the Honorable Louis Farrakhan spoke on BET and our people fell in love with the minister and then the Jewish people came behind that love with evil, BET deleted everything from their website and from their Twitter page in reference to the Honorable Louis Farrakhan. Why am I telling you this? Because every leader that was truly for us was vilified by white people. Let's go. Next slide. Malcolm X. We say we love Malcolm. Even white people. When, when white people start quoting Malcolm, I get very suspicious. When they post videos about, I get very suspicious. Y'all know Malcolm when he came back from Mecca. I know everybody, I'm just got to say this. This ain't the lecture. Because they always try to say, well, you know, see, when he went to Mecca, he changed. Well, Malcolm went to the Middle East in 1959, and there were white Muslims there. White Muslims would meet him in New York when he was minister of mosque number seven. When he came to the Mahoma, the most armed Elijah Muhammad, there were Turkish Muslims and white Muslims there all the time. He had seen white Muslims before. But now here's the tale. When Malcolm made his own organization, the OAAU, and Muslim Mosque Incorporated, when he was in Egypt, they asked him, will you let white people join Muslim Mosque Incorporated 
and the OAAU. And guess what Malcolm said? Absolutely not. That should tell you something. Let's keep it moving. Go back, go back, go back. Queens rally protest ban on speakers. This is October 26, 1961. Approximately 400 students attended a rally in Queens College yesterday to protest the speaking bans on Communist Party Secretary Benjamin Davis. And who is that? Malcolm X. You mean y'all white people banned Malcolm X, but now you want to say you love him? Next slide. Was Malcolm a terrorist? February 19th, this is right before he's assassinated. Negroes are willing to use terrorism, says Malcolm X. Is that what he really said? Or is that what white people said that he said? Malcolm X, leader of the black nationalist movement, yesterday told a capacity audience at Bernard Gymnasium, there are many Negroes ready and willing ready, willing, equipped, and able to, now you see what my, what's in the quotes, right? Let me just point out the deception. What's in the quotes is what he said. What's after the quotes is what they added. Ready, willing, and able, then the white man added to use the same terrorist methods as the KKK. Can we go to, I think there may not be a next one. What am I showing you, brothers and sisters? Every leader that was for us was, was vilified by white people. All praise is due to Allah. So now, our topic today is who will raise, no, no, pardon me, the dead will rise. So the question we have to answer is who are the dead? The dead, brothers and sisters, are the mentally dead, spiritually dead, economically dead. Let's put the quote, that quote of the Honorable Louis Farrakhan on the screen from DMX's funeral. And that is why Jesus told us that the dead will rise. It doesn't mean that the dead, it doesn't mean that the dead necessarily in the cemetery will rise because they're not getting up. Because all of us are operating on a dead level, dead mentally, dead morally, dead spiritually, dead education, dead politically, dead educationally. So brothers and sisters, when we were brought here in slavery, we were brought here by a man named John Hawkins in the year 1555 on a slave ship named Jesus. And when we were brought here as the most honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches, this is when they put us in the process to make us into what is called a Negro. Are y'all with me? The, the making of the Negro was a process. They call it seasoning where, you can leave it right there just like that. They call it seasoning where they break you down from what we were before we were brought in slavery, right? They put you through a process and they turn you into what we became in order to be better slaves. Are y'all following me? So now, that process made a product and that product was called a Negro. The word Negro, they tell you, means black. But in reality, the word Negro comes from the word necro, which means corpse, which means dead. Are y'all following me? Okay. So now, 
The word Negro is where we get the word what? Nigga, it's the same word. The E-R or the A, it doesn't matter. It's the same word. So now, and as a people, we have various definitions, right, um, for this word. So we could say, if we could click the slide, uh, we could say that it's an ignorant person, right? And that is true, that if a person is ignorant, we do use the word Negro or nigga to refer to that person, right? But there's also, um, can we click the slide? Uh, a person that's a friend, right? If you're walking down the street, right, and you see a boy, you'd be like, man, that's my nigga right there, right? It's the same word, the same word we just used for an ignorant person. Now we're using the same word for a friend, right? And then after you talk to your friend, then you go around the next corner and you see some ops. And then you say to some man, oh no, I gotta get them niggas. Now that same word is referred to an enemy. While you trying to set the ops up, right? To get shot, you get a phone call. You answer the phone and, and she like, hey baby, what's going on? Hey, what's, what's up? Oh yeah, baby, I just wanted to speak to you because you know you my nigga, right? So now we talking about a boyfriend. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Now, if I tell you that I met Jay-Z and Beyonce, right? Or I met Rihanna, baby Beyonce, right? Or Megan Thee Stallion, all at the same time. And they saw my bow tie and they was trying to holler, right? Like, we're going to lead a rap game. We want to be with you. All of y'all going to look at me and be like, what? Nigga, please. Right? So it's just an expression. This is a word that's used for everything, right? In our community, right? We even call white people niggas, right? So now, but the word represents and means a person that is mentally dead, which is us. How are we dead? All you have to do is drive through our community. Everybody owns businesses in the black community except black people. We give our money to the Koreans. We give our money to the Arabs. We give our money to everybody except who? Except us, right? If you go to Chinatown, and I go to Chinatown, I used to drive through every day when I worked in the West Loop. All the businesses are owned by Chinese people. Jesse Jackson's son, Jonathan Jackson was on WVON, and he said that when cell phones were relatively new, he tried to open up a cell phone shop in Chinatown, and they wouldn't let him. If you, if you eat at the, the Whole Food Grill, which is in Hyde Park, right? They opened one in Chinatown. When we had Savior's Day at the McCormick Place a few years back, maybe five years ago, they had just opened up their spot in Chinatown, you drive by there today, they're no longer there. Because the Chinese people did what they should have done. They drove them out. We're the only ones that will allow anybody to come in and set up shop and sell us Swishers, and sell us 40 ounces, right? And sell us Patron, and won't give nothing back, and will put pig feet on the counter, and sell you pig feet, and then go to Juma and say that they're a good Muslim and would never invite you to Islam. 
But then when you come to the nation and you pull your pants up, you stop smoking, you stop drinking, you stop abusing women, you start to take care of your family. Then you walk into the same Arab store and he will tell you, you don't have the real Islam. What? The real Islam is what got you off pork. The real Islam is what stopped you from smoking cigarettes. The real Islam is what stopped you from popping pills. The real Islam stopped you from beating your wife and abusing your children. The real Islam stopped you from being lazy and made you a productive man and woman. That's real Islam. You understand what I'm saying? All praises due to Allah. So now, because we don't own the businesses in our neighborhood, then we lack political power. Because political power doesn't come from voting. I know I'm hurting people's feelings. Political power doesn't come from voting. Political power comes from economic power. I don't know how we keep missing this as a black community. And all we do is watch The Godfather and the gangster movies. That's all we do. We love white gangsters, right? When Mario Puzo wrote that book, The Godfather, he based it on the lives of real people of the five crime families that were in New York, right? And when the Italian mafia organized themselves, they did not go out and march. They did not go out and tell all the Italians to vote so they could get Italian people in office. That's not what they did. They organized themselves into a crime family. They used the crime family to make millions and millions of dollars illegally. They used the money that they made from illegal activity and they put that money behind politicians that would change the law that would make gambling legal. So back in the day, some of you are old enough to know you played the numbers because gambling was illegal. That's what Malcolm did, right? But now we got pick three. We got Little Lotto. We got Powerball, right? And they lie and say the money is going to the schools and it's not, right? They always give a noble motive for everything evil that they're trying to do, right? So now how did the law change? It's because, not because somebody voted, because they built economic power. And from economic power, they got political power. How do we have the whole Godfather memorized? Word for word, and we don't understand that. And we're telling our people to go vote, but we're not telling them to go open no businesses. How did the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan say? He said that politics without economics is symbol without substance. So we first have to come to life economically and then we'll come to life politically. The reason our politicians don't never do what we want is because we don't pay for their campaigns. We don't donate to the campaign. We don't have no money to donate because we don't own no businesses in our neighborhood. So the politician becomes dependent on white philanthropy. Like all of these so-called leaders, right? They're all the uncompromising voice for black people until they say the wrong thing that offends white people. And then they gotta go back to where they were, right? I'm gonna say this real quick and we're gonna keep moving. I was watching the news and there was a black preacher 
and he was on the news and he was trying to talk strong from Chicago. He said, we're not taking this vaccine. I was like, damn, this brother is strong. We're not taking this vaccine. Let white people take it. And when white people take it, then we'll think about taking it. But we're, I'm not going to tell my congregation. I was like, man, that's right. Then a week later, not a month, not, not, not six months, a week later, the same brothers on television. Well, yeah, you know, white people took it, right? Last week, they took it. So now I'm telling my congregation to take it, and I'm taking it. So I had to go online and donate $100 to the Savior's Day gift because I believe and support the strong, uncompromising leadership of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. This is a true story. Let's keep it moving. So now, we're socially dead. All you got to do is turn on the television. Every day you send a new black person getting killed. Can we put that scripture up there from the book of Matthew? I know I'm going all over the place with the slides. All praise is due to Allah. Thank you. Uh, can we put that? This is it. Listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 24. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Then Jesus says, all these are the beginning of birth pains. Now, you know when you get ready to have a child, when that first contraction hits, another contraction might not hit for hours later. Right. When my son was born, he's here today. When that first contraction hit, because we watch TV, you know, we, we influenced by television. We started packing bags. We ran to the hospital. We got to the hospital and he wasn't born until 27 hours later from the first contraction. So, you know, I fell asleep in the hospital. I went to sleep because I got to have my sleep. Right. So I fell asleep. But when my youngest son was born. We waited until the contractions were closer together. And as we walked in, my wife was having the baby. You understand? Why am I saying this? Because if Jesus says that this is the beginning of birth pains, but we see that the murder of black people is back to back to back to back, you're looking at one, and as you're processing one, and you're making your sign to go protest the one, right? Two more have happened. So now you just gotta make a sign where you just fill in the blank at the bottom because it's happening so much. You understand what I'm saying? So now, brothers and sisters, society looks down on us because we're socially dead, spiritually dead. We go to church, we believe in God, we believe in religion. We believe in Jesus, but we don't love Jesus enough to love one another. Are y'all with me? Jesus said, love ye one another, even as I have loved you. Is that what happens when we go to church? Absolutely not. We love Jesus exclusively. And all the other black people in church, we don't like them. You understand? Okay.
So even in religion, we're filled with self-hatred. Educationally, we're dead because we do not control the education of our children as we talked about. So now, brothers and sisters, if it's clear that we are the dead, right, that we are the ones that are at the bottom, and the Bible says that the bottom rail, I got the quote, the bottom rail will be raised to the top and that the tail will become the head, right? And that the stone that the builders rejected will become the cornerstone of a new world. The question is, if we are the dead and we are, what will give black people life? What will give the people of the world who want to be alive, what will give them life? And the answer is the knowledge of God and the knowledge of self. And there's only one person teaching that's on the scene today that's given the world the knowledge of God and the knowledge of self. And that person is the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And this is why, y'all can lead the picture up there. This is why this man is so opposed by the enemy. It is because they've done everything within their power to stop the Honorable Louis Farrakhan and they've not been successful. Now let's go back. The enemy did everything within their power to stop the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. Everything. And everything they did failed. When you read the FBI file, they admit every COINTELPRO activity that we did against Muhammad failed. It's right there in black and white. So what is that telling you? The power that's with Muhammad is greater than the power that's in the world. All praise is due to Allah. So now, to prove it, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad leaves. And then, because they couldn't do nothing with him. So he says, wait a minute, let me leave. We got the grandmaster here today. Grandmaster Abdul Aziz Muhammad. Now all praise is due to Allah. Now y'all know that he been breaking people down for a long time. Breaking them in half, right? Now, if he leaves, and then he leaves a student, and everybody's saying, man, we couldn't do nothing with the master. But then, now he's like, I gotta go. I've done enough, right? I've broken enough masters in half. The best you got couldn't do nothing with me. He leaves, and he leaves a student, right? And then a whole new group of masters come with new types of weapons to use, not against the grandmaster, but against the student he left. And then the student beats the brakes off of all of the new grandmasters with all of their new weapons then what does that tell you about the teacher of that student? Why am I saying that? Because the most honorable Elijah Muhammad left. And when he left, he left the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan, his top number one student. We're all his students. He's just the top of the class. And the white man hasn't lost power since the departure of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. No. They've only gained power through technology, right? 
through new weapons of destruction. When the most honorable Elijah Muhammad was here, they used to have to break in his house when he wasn't there. You read the FBI files, they call them black bag jobs. Break in the house, put a bug in the house so they could listen to his conversations. They don't have to break in your house. They're already in your house. They're already with you 24-7. They already can see you from outer space and follow you everywhere. They can track everything you're doing and they are doing it. They can kill you in any kind of way that they want to kill you. Today, the power of the enemy to destroy you is greater today than it was in the time of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. But the most honorable Elijah Muhammad is not here. But his student is here and has been here for 40 years. And the enemy has done everything. Everything within their power. Now, if a man says that you don't know the depths of Satan, but then Satan does everything, we don't even know what that is. We don't know the depths, so how could we know? But the man is still standing. Are y'all listening? All praise is due to Allah. What does that tell you? I know what Negroes say, see, see, see what happened was, see, Farrakhan is an agent. See, he worked for the feds because that's why he's still alive. I don't want to cuss in Mas Mariam and his Ramadan, but Negro, please. Would you, see, you think that the white man is the ultimate power in the world and that if the white man don't kill you, then you're not a real leader. Are you an idiot? I'm not going to answer that question. That's rhetorical. The reason that the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is still here is because he has the backing and the anointing of Almighty God Allah. And the white man can't do nothing about it. It is what it is. So now, brothers and sisters, we're coming to the end. And I just want to end by saying, the Honorable, and I'm going to conclude, this might take five minutes, maybe a little more. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan has been with us for a long time. He's not going to be with us forever. This you have to understand. It's not something to be sad about. It's something to be happy about. When the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, do, I know, know y'all sad, right? But you shouldn't be. You should be happy because it will be a glorious day. But now, I want to just close today out talking to us about the meaning of Ramadan, the real meaning of Ramadan. What does it really mean? Because it's a ritual, right? Every ritual has a meaning behind the ritual. Listen to what the most honorable Elijah Muhammad said. When the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, y'all can leave that up there. When the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan came to him with a FOI uniform that had the moon and the star on it, he said, take the moon out because you are a star that has no equal. What? There's only one star in the universe that has a lot of stars in the universe. There's only one star that has no equal, and that star is the sun. It's not the biggest star in the universe. It's not the brightest star in the universe. It's not the hottest star in the universe, but it's the only star in the universe that the light 
from that star gives life to all nine planets. Are y'all listening? The most honorable Elijah Muhammad said that it's life on all of the planets because of a sun that gives life, but that there's civilizations on seven of them. I know that's hard for you to believe, but white folks believe it. That's why they're on Mars right now. They know what the most honorable Elijah Muhammad said is true. I'm gonna read this to you only because we're on the subject. This is from How to Eat to Live, book two, first article. Listen to what he says at the bottom of the page. We are a long way off from the life of the people on Mars, who Allah in the person of Master Fahd Muhammad, to whom praises do forever taught me live an average life equivalent of 1200 years of our earth calendar. I wish somebody was listening. This was published in 1965, but the articles were written in the 50s. Imagine you being a black person in the 50s and you open up the Pittsburgh Courier and you read Mr. Muhammad Speaks article and in 1956 you read this man talking about Mars. Right, that shows you how advanced he was over everybody. You understand. So now, the sun right? During Ramadan, Louis Farrakhan is a star without equal, meaning he's the sun. And the Holy Quran, as Imam Sultan described Muhammad as a light-giving sun, right? The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan's light gives life, and that's why we're here, right? So now, what does Ramadan, the meaning of it? Listen to what the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad said as we close. When we abstain from food for so, for so short a time, as for early morning until after sundown and darkness begins to appear, we cannot call this a fast, for we are eating the same way that we have always been eating, one meal in that day. We should be eating like that. It is no fast to me and my followers to eat one meal after sundown. We cannot call it a fast. So now, if it's not a fast, then why are we doing it? Why do we eat when the sun goes down? When the sun is no longer present to give its light, right? That is when we start to eat. Let's, can we go to the next slide? Listen to this in the Holy Quran. When the disciples said, O Jesus, son of Mary, is thy Lord able to send down food to us from heaven? He said, keep your duty to alive, you are believers. They said, we desire to eat of it, that our hearts should be at rest, and that we, we may know that thou hast indeed spoken the truth to us, that we may be witnesses thereof. Now you know that food doesn't come from heaven. So what is this that the Holy Quran talks about that the disciples wanted food from heaven? And what does that have to do with the food you eat when the sun goes down and the light of the sun is no longer present? And what does that have to do with Jesus saying that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God? And what does that have to do? with when Jesus called his disciples together for communion and broke the bread and gave all of them a piece and gave them wine to drink as his blood. It's all related. 
Okay, let's wrap it up. Can we go to the next slide? Jesus, son of Mary, said, O Allah, our Lord, send down to us food from heaven, which should be to us an ever-recurring happiness, to the first of us and the last of us, and a sign from thee, and give sustenance, and thou art the best of sustainers. And Allah said, surely I will send it down to you, this food from heaven. But whoever disbelieves afterwards from among you, I will chastise him with a chastisement with which I have n- will not chastise anyone from among the nations. So, brothers and sisters, can we go to the next word, next, the definition? Next slide. Food from heaven. Oh, I said that already. We can go to the next one. Food from heaven represents not physical food, but the food from heaven represents the knowledge from the man of God. Are y'all listening? So when the Honorable Louis Farrakhan comes and speaks to us, he gives us the best spiritual food that we can receive. Are y'all following me? So when Jesus says that man won't live by bread alone, but out of the word, the word is the food. Now, at the end of Ramadan, we're going to have a feast And it's called an id feast. And the word id means festival, but it says the literal significance being an ever-recurring source of enjoyment. We had id feast last year. And it wasn't an ever-recurring happiness. You're going to eat tonight. And guess what? You're going to be hungry tomorrow. And then when the sun sets tomorrow, you're going to eat tomorrow. And guess what? You're going to be hungry the next day. So there is no physical food that can give you ever-recurring happiness. So what is it talking about? It's talking about the word of God. The food that we eat during Ramadan when the sun is gone and just the stars are out. The food represents the word. The, The bread that Jesus broke at communion when he was about to leave but he wanted his disciples to be with him forever. It's when you take the word and ingest the word and the word becomes a part of you. There would never be another minister Farrakhan. But all of us who are his students and his followers, if we ingest the word, then all of us have a part of him in us. Are y'all following me? And when we want to bring him up, then all we have to do is feed on what? Not on a bean pie, not on bean soup, but feed on the word that he has left for us so that his word can become one with us. We have to drink the wine. Now, I know y'all looking to drink some wine. No, the wine represents the life. You can't feed on the word and then live a contrary life. You have to live the life and ingest the word. And you live in the life and ingest the word will allow you to have holy communion with the Honorable Louis Farrakhan when he's no longer present. Are y'all listening? Because he's not going to be here forever. But in the word is the guidance that will be able to guide us until we see him again. Are y'all listening? So the sun 
when it's gone, right? And the light is no longer present, that's when we eat, right? And then we stop eating when the sun comes back, right? But what do we do at night? What happens when the sun leaves? Then the stars come out. Look, this is daytime right now. The stars are there right now. Are the stars there? They don't, they don't just like zip over at night, do they? They're there right now. But the sun is so bright, we can't see out of the light of the sun. So there are stars right now among our people and in the nation of Islam. Right now, we can't see them because we're blinded by the light of the sun. But when that sun leaves, then that starlight will be present that will guide us until the sun does what? Until the sun comes back. I hope somebody was listening. So brothers and sisters, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is that sun. He is the light-giving sun that the Holy Quran talks about. He is the son of the father that the Bible talks about. He is the man that is here that is doing the work of Jesus. And this is why when our people hear from the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, they fall in love with the Honorable Louis Farrakhan. And this is why our people, this is why the enemy wants to do everything within their power to prevent our people from falling in love with the Honorable Louis Farrakhan. But brothers and sisters, they've done everything and everything that they've done has failed. But now it's our time as the followers of the Honorable Louis Farrakhan to stand up and back the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and his work in his presence, right? But more importantly, in his absence, we have to stand and feed on his word and live the life that he taught us to live because it's through that work that the dead will rise and there's nothing that the enemy can do. Nothing that they can do that will stop our people from rising. Brothers and sisters, I would like to leave you as I came before you with the greeting words of peace. We said in the Arabic language of assalamu alaikum. All praises due to Allah. Let us give a round of applause for student minister, Abdul Muhammad. All praises are due to Allah. All praises are due to Allah. We thank student minister Abdul for delivering that powerful word of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and give you quick greetings from Student Minister Ishmael Muhammad, who's traveling, counseling, and working in the vineyard to help his leader and his teacher, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And inshallah, he will be back on this podium very soon. Brothers and sisters, Brother Abdul has done his job. He's given us the food. He's given us the bread of life. We now have a duty, as he stated, that we can do something for ourselves. As it says in the Holy Quran, in terms of charity, in Surah 2, verse 83, be steadfast in prayer and regular in charity. Whatever good you send forth for your souls before you, you shall find it with Allah.
Let us give to help the ministry of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Those that are watching, you can now push a button to give in your charity. And all of those that can help in this mighty and powerful and divine ministry, we ask for you to support. And as Brother Abdul said, others have their communities. It's time for us to build our own. It's time for us to build our own hospitals, our schools, our businesses. It's not against anyone, but it is for ourselves. And others do it and they're not ashamed to have their own. And it's time for us to build something for ourselves and we need to put our own finances behind ourselves. So whatever you can give to help in this ministry, we greatly, greatly appreciate it. And for the words that Brother Abdul said in his quote from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, and his quoting from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, you can find that in the Final Call newspaper. Each and every week, you can find divine words of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, the divine words of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. You can go online and get a digital copy, or you can find your copy from the mighty FOI and the MGT in cities all across the world. Get this beautiful periodical that will help you to have life and to have it more abundantly. And for the books and tapes of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, you can purchase those right now on store.finalcall.com. It's a must-have to have message to the black man. It's a must-have to have the fall of America. Must-have our Savior has arrived. And everyone should have book one and book two of how to eat to live. Brothers and sisters, those that have loved this message, you can hear the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan 24 hours a day. I repeat that, 24 hours a day, you can hear the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan on FinalCallRadio.com. Put your hands together for Final Call Radio. This Saturday, or also, we'd like for you all to purchase our, our Supreme Bean Pie. You can go online and order the Supreme Bean Pie at thesupremebeanpie.com. Now, for those that are participating in Ramadan, you can't eat it, and the sun is up. But you can order and just wait till that sun sets and enjoy for your dessert the Supreme Bean Pie. And this Saturday, as Imam Sultan Rahman reminded us, this Saturday, as we go towards the close and finish of our Ramadan this year. We will be celebrating a night of power. It will be hosted by Imam Sultan Muhammad and student minister Ishmael Muhammad. And a few other announcements. Don't forget to attend our weekly meetings, Monday FOI, Saturday MGT, Wednesday night, and our Friday night study group. We ask all who would like to participate to join with us and have a special announcement on May 11th, May 11th, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan premieres his live performance of his Beethoven Violin Concerto. Put your hands together, brothers and sisters. Our beautiful minister.
and his breathtaking and never released performance premiering on the 88th birthday of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Get events updates. You can text to your phone at MLF88 to 99000. This is celebrating the 250th anniversary of Ludwig van Beethoven. You can hear it on ministersmusic.com this Tuesday. This Tuesday, this Tuesday, we all gonna be listening to who? The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan at 7 p.m. Central. Our beautiful and beloved minister will be performing. Praise be to Allah. And brother, next Tuesday, I'm sorry, next Tuesday on May 11th, our minister will be performing. And brothers and sisters, we thank you once again. We look forward to you all returning with us next Sunday. If you all would please stand for prayer. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful. All praise belongs to Allah, the Lord of the worlds, the Beneficent, the Merciful. Master of this day of judgment in which we now live, thee alone do we worship and thine aid do we seek. O Allah, guide us on the right path the path of those upon whom thou hast bestowed favors, not the path of those upon whom thy wrath is brought down, nor of those who go astray after hearing thy teachings. Amen. Greetings, dear listeners. We have been blessed by Almighty God, Allah, over the 90 years of our work in the nation of Islam and lifting our people up from the miserable condition in which we find ourselves. We ask your support of our effort and we hope that you will be generous and make a contribution to the work of the nation of Islam and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan by clicking the button below or go to noi.org forward slash donate. We thank you in advance for your support. May Allah God continue to bless you and your families. Assalamu alaikum. Now you can get the same uncompromising truth you've come to expect from the Final Call newspaper on...